Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Ben Broughton, the founder of Primus, who are a talent solutions consultancy to the technology sector across the UK and US. They are on the mission to work with their clients to educate them on the importance of DNI when it comes to building out their teams and organizations. Ben started his recruitment career in 2000 with the infamous S3, before then joining Premier Group in 2006, where he helped scale that company to a global brand within 15 years and grew that company to be doing an excess of 30 million in turnover. uh, And he actually became a co-owner of that company as well. After leaving that business in February 2021, and after assembling a diverse strategic board from professionals from a variety of industries, Ben launched Premise in September 2021. They are big plans, and they're definitely a company to watch going into 2022 and beyond. Ben, welcome uh, to the pod. Hey, Sam, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me, buddy. Let's do this. So where I'd like to start, mate, is, uh, yeah, million pound question. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you feel um, contributes to a highly successful recruitment consultant today? If it characteristics, traits, what comes up for you when we think, what is the makeup of a successful recruit in, in today's market? Love it. Good starting point. So yeah, I think, I think in today's market, more so than ever, I think this has always been important in recruitment, but more so than ever, it's relationship builders. It's people that can go out and build strong relationships with clients and candidates alike. And I think if you, if you couple that with strong work ethic, you know, prioritization, organization, and just consistency in what they do. I personally believe that's the recipe in today's market. It's changed in terms of recruitment used to be very transactional, ones and twos, you know, get your numbers across the line. And now it's really looking at selling proper solution selling to clients. And I think that takes a slightly different kind of beast of personal skill set in order to deliver it. Interesting. So on the relationship part, how do you, when I say, Ben, how do you look for that in people? What, what, what immediately comes up? How do you sort of try and identify that out of interest? Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a mixed bag. And this is, you know, it can, leads on to our diversity piece quite nicely. You know, not everybody's the same and everyone's going to have be suited to different clients and different clients will want to build relationships with different kind of people. Um, so that's why it's important you are staffing your business up with with a very diverse background of people because everybody's different in terms of the way they communicate and the way that they they do build relationships so i don't think there's one size fits all but i do think you know it's just important that people can articulate properly you know look at look at what the client's needs are and then build a you know a a solution around that that's going to be right for, for their organization but i just think it's just it's just taking recruitment out to that kind of next level because Technology is playing such a part in recruitment nowadays that, you know, you really, as a business owner, you want to gear your consultants up to go out and and just build relationships and, and let technology do the back end of the process, really. Sure. So there's so much that we can cover here, right? So just to frame it up for everyone listening... Uh, we're going to touch on very, very briefly S3 because I think there's obviously so many stories that have come up with that. So just keen to hear your thoughts on that, looking back on it. We're obviously going to really talk about, yeah, you being a, a sort of really strong part of the Premier Group journey, which, uh, as I said in the intro, become a global brand. So I know a lot of people will want to hear about your journey in scaling that company. And then we'll absolutely be talking about today, like, yeah, how all of those experiences have really then contributed to like what you're trying to do with your business now. Talk about the board, talk about DNI and, and how you're sort of approaching things as a business that, that's a bit unique and a bit different and how that's been landing in, in the last few months and obviously the, the plans for the future. So loads to cover, but that's sort of what we're going to aim to be talking about. So let's just start then. I would just love like what I just love to start with. So S3, right? So many stories that come, come out of this. Like when I say to you, how would you describe your time at S3 or like what, what immediately comes to mind when I say S3, first six years in recruitment, like what comes up for you? How would you describe it? I mean, it was, it was incredible, mate. It was, you know, what, what a start to your recruitment career. Um, that, that business was just, I mean, it still is, but it's a beast. You know, it's an absolute, it's just a machine. And I was looking enough, you know, 2000, fresh from uni, 
to get a job as a trainee consultant. The brilliant thing, you know, you, you go through like a six-stage interview process. So you, if you, when you get the job, you feel, you know, like you've, you've won the lottery, like this is it, you know, you've absolutely made it. And just, you know, <laughs> I think looking back to 2000, you know, my initial kind of years in it, I mean, you didn't sleep, you know, you literally, Monday <laughs> to Friday, you, you were in the office, you were working, and if you weren't working, you were out, you know, at the bar. So it was, it was so intense. Uh, and it probably aged me 12 years being there for six, but it was just incredible. And the, the training, um, you know, the, the, the lessons it's taught me as a, as a recruiter make me who I am today, you know. So it's just, it's just a fantastic business. And it still is, you know, it's, obviously, you know, it's definitely changed. And I think the industry has changed. But, yeah, I was very, very privileged to have that six years of my career. And it definitely set me up well for, for the rest of my career in recruitment. And then if I was to say, like, like if we're talking about recruitment terms, because I know you're, as I know when we've caught up previously, like you've been back on the tools, doing deals, all of that. Like if we were to look back at that and go, what, what, some, of the, what are some of the things that you learned or like were taught during that period that you have stuck with you throughout? What, what comes up? Anything immediately that you think about? What, what, what stuck with you, do you think, that's sort of tried and tested the, the standard time over the last, yeah, tw- over 20 years? Yeah, and definitely to put, put some context behind it, I think when I was looking to start the, the new business, the startup, I think it was, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, very hands-on, I made the decision, right, I've got to get back on the tools and prove to myself I can still do it and be able to talk the talk with the guys as we, as we are a small business and we're growing. So I, I really enjoyed getting back on the tools. And I was always a contract consultant, so I've done a mixture of some contract stuff and some perm stuff, which has been good. Um, but I think it, it, the basic fundamentals of recruitment have not changed, okay? And that is be consistent, Every single day, be consistent in what you do, you know, so have a routine and stick to it and then just, just build relationships with people and get, get people buying into you as a, as a recruiter, uh, invest time in relationships. I was amazed at the changes in terms of like, it's all on LinkedIn now and WhatsApping candidates, obviously we had fax, machine, fax machines in 2000, not WhatsApp. Uh, so, you know, WhatsApping candidates, WhatsApping clients, you know, the communication, whereas, you know, you used to be doing hundred calls a day, a lot of it, you know, and I used to be 100% hands up guilty, get on the phones, guys, what's going on, get on the phones, get on the phones. And, and yeah, the, obviously the phone still plays a part. You can't build a relationship with somebody not on, a, you know, not interacting with them on a WhatsApp, but it's Zoom, it's WhatsApp, it's LinkedIn messaging. And then obviously you'll have a nice big half hour qualification call with them, but it's, it has changed definitely. But the, the core fundamentals which is relationship building, put the hours in, put the effort in. You know, I'm working UK and US hours at the moment, so, you know, barely sleeping. Um, But, you know, you put the hours, you put the graft in, and the results will come through. And I think, you know, somebody mentioned on on LinkedIn, I think it was the other day, that this is the, the one of the only industries where the more you put in, the more you get out. You know, the, you, you make your own luck in this industry, and that's why I, I love it. I absolutely love this industry because of that reason. Yeah. Yeah, no, you can tell. Whenever I speak to you, you can tell you, you absolutely lo- love it. So Found my calling, mate. Yeah, okay. So let, let's sort of segue into the Premier Group then, which I'd probably sort of argue if most people hear your name, they probably, which is obviously this is the journey that you're on now to hopefully change, right? But <laughs> pro- most, most people would probably think, yeah, Premier Group of, of some sort. So let, let's sort of unpack this a bit. So you was there for nearly 15 years. Like, let's just first, let's just paint a picture of what it was like when you joined in 2006 and what it was like by the time you left. So let's just start there just for context. So when you joined the business, what, what did it look like? Where was it at in its journey? Uh, so just at about 20 heads, 16 to 20 heads in Reading, just the one office in Reading. Um, they were doing a lot of perm, not so much contract, had a few contractors, but it wasn't a, a, a massive book. So I went in to, to basically build up a contract function was my initial job. And then I opened London office back in 2006, so pretty, pretty quickly opened London. Uh, and then Manchester was my hometown, it's where I grew up. So uh, once London was established and up and running, I was like, right, let's go to Manchester. I went to Bur- university in Birmingham. So I was like, right, okay, this, you know, no Birmingham well. So we did Birmingham. And then, and then obviously the US. So in the later years, we did, we did New York to start with. Uh, and then later on opened up in Austin. So yeah, that was, that was the kind of growth trajectory of the offices really. And then was you, was you like, when you joined, was your MD right away? Was you more of like in the leadership position for the contract side, as you mentioned? Yeah. When so, did you become MD? 
Yeah, so ran the ran the contract division, then obviously London London manager, grew the London business, um, and then went to director shares in the business. And basically, I was on a kind of a you know ratchet deal. So the more the, the better the business did, the more shares I got in the organisation, uh, and kind of grew, grew it that way. And then obviously got MD for kind of last kind of uh, six years in the in the position. Last six years. Yeah. Okay. So and then and then what, so you mentioned around the growth of like the location and everything. And what what did the business look like by the time? You left, obviously, yeah, in, uh, this year. Yeah, so obviously, um, I mean, COVID hit. The business is, is doing, you know, very well at the moment, which is brilliant to see from, you know, from my point of view to, to see that business still doing so well. Um, but we were, I think, we got to 100, 110 people, just over 30 million revenue, and you know, great, great structure. You know, the, the training is 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 absolutely brilliant. You know, there's a really good leadership team there still. You know, it's, it's a very, very good business. Okay. So obviously there's loads of, um, like, it must be to look back and all that, that must, I don't know, that must be just a massive, not like blur, but so many things probably just go into one on that journey, right? Yeah. If you, yeah, started like 20 people and then it was that. So let, let's sort of um, unpack this a bit then. So I guess, why don't we start in the area that typically ends up being one of the biggest challenges and pains that I always hear from recruitment owners. Like what, how would you describe your journey in like scaling, aka hiring for a premier? Because that, that always seems to be like the number, like one of the, the main reasons that really holds companies back. So like, how would you describe your journey with that? Like, how did you get better at it? When, when did you maybe feel like you sort of had a bit of a light bulb moment where like, right, we're really onto something now on like how to grow this business on the hiring standpoint. Like what, what comes up then if we were to just zoom in on the actual hiring side for a second? I think the growth definitely kind of started to rocket when we expanded the offices. So when we went from one single site to obviously London, you then obviously you know got your, your, your hunting ground for two different locations in terms of people. Same for when we have Manchester, Birmingham, and then the US. As soon as you open a new site, you obviously get you know a, a better reaching pool in terms of bringing heads on board. The trigger for me was always you know 10k ahead is, is where you need to look at. You know as soon as you get to that kind of point, you, you know somebody. Wait, wait let, let's 10. talk about that because that's quite a common yeah. question. So when you're saying there in terms of a hiring trigger. You yeah. always looked at the numbers, what, 10K, as in 10K, what, that could be perm, well, like, just give us context on that just for people. Perm, contract recurring revenue, basically, as soon as, as soon as that established team is doing 10K per head on a, on a kind okay. of consistent basis, then you look to add more to it. Yeah, if you're putting people into that, into that kind of machine if that's currently creating a minimum of 10K ahead, you would expect it to grow and, and take more. I think the, the brilliant thing that I had in, in that business was, an incredible management team you know it was it was organically grown um which obviously took time because you know you can't scale very quickly you know we got you know it did the, the business did grow you know every single year but not to the level that i know not necessarily yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah absolutely um because we had this incredible organic management team who had started off as trainees worked their way through the business and i think that when you're bringing new consultants into an organization where you've got that they can see their path. You know, they can see, right, I'm working for this guy now um, who's been through this journey and they can just, they can see their own journey and how they can get there themselves as well. So that was definitely, a, you know, a massive trend. And I was, I was so lucky to have such a brilliant management team there, you know, uh, every single one of them, and they all know who they are, um, you know, supported the growth of the business. Some of them are still there now, some of them aren't, but all of them played an incredible part in getting that business to, to grow to where it is today. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, as when I, when I was kind of MD. So I think that's definitely a key part. Um, great training. Like you've got to, if, you, if you're doing the kind of organic model and bringing training consultants in, you've got to have incredible training. And I think that's one of the things that along with the technology that was there, um, you know, the training program is, is, is sensational. You know, it brought, brought people through the ranks, got them performing very, very quickly. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's what you need. You put, if you're putting new people into the business and they can just start firing straight away, generating revenue, um, then that's, you know, a, a brilliant part to any organization. So I think that, that really played a, a big part of it as well. Nice. Okay. So just just a couple of things here that I just want to focus on for a sec. So one, I think most, if you were to, be at some sort of event or down a pub speaking to other recruitment owners that they, they probably understand why they need that leadership layer in there right but it can be really difficult to achieve sometimes for a number of reasons so i guess just talk to us a bit about that like so you said you was really grateful that that sort of manifested but i'm sure it was also intentional and you made sure that the people that i don't know maybe you identified or saw the great potential in like really made like they maximize their potential and you help them do that what what advice do we have for people listening to this that 
maybe have some people that they can see on that trajectory that that they need to invest time in? Like, what sorts of things did you do to, to invest in these people to make sure that they really got to where not that you needed them to, where they that where they could really maximize their potential? Like, what what sort of things did you invest in leadership training? Did you make it really clear to them that hey Ben, look, this is where you are today, but this is where I see you in a couple. I don't know. Like, what? How did you make sure these people really came to fruition? If you get what I mean, with their careers. This podcast is proudly partnered with Vincherry, the recruitment operating system for your front, middle, and back office. So I recently recorded a podcast with James Layton from the Anderson James Group, which will be out really soon. And as part of our conversation, we got into the topic of the best tools that he's invested in so far in his business journey. And guess what? Vincherry was up there and also Sourcebreaker was. But in this very short snippet, you're going to hear why James is so happy to be a Vincherry customer. And look, who's better to tell you about their product and why you should be considering Vincherry as your operating system partner than their customers themselves. Here's what James had to say. We implemented Vincherry right in the heat of lockdown. We decided that it was the right time. The old system that we use was clunky. I'm a real, real, real believer of Vincherry as a system. I must have recommended 20 people to Vincherry over the years because I think they're going to change the game. And I can say that wholeheartedly, having used Bullhorn and another product, I can say that Vincherry is number one in that world for a growing recruitment business because it's intuitive, it's got intelligence suites, it's got everything that you probably need to... Yeah, it's a whole operating is. system, not just a CRM, is it? Is this the whole point? Yeah, it's, and yeah. It's, it's brilliant. And they're brilliant. Like, you know, Eloise and the team there, they're, they're great. And they're always there if you need them for anything. I think it's having a clear goal. Like, everybody's on the same journey together, and you're all aiming to, to get to the same kind of end result. And I think that that, that was really important, the fact that, you know, we're, you, you constantly talk about this is where we want the business to get to. This is, the, this is our goal. This is where, you know, there's constant growth and reward for people there. For me, definitely investment. Like, you know, we brought in uh, the incredible Trevor Pinder. The guy's a bloody legend. If you're not working with him, you need to. Um, you know, we brought Trevor in to do some external training. It, you know, these people need to see investment. You know, nobody's a finished article. I certainly am not and never, and never will be. Everybody can get better at what they do. And I think that everybody needs to see that personal investment into them. But for me, I was talking to a business owner the other day and he was like, you know, I was very, very lucky with my management team. Like, I didn't lose a single member of them for, you know, six seven years and I was very very lucky for that and I just felt that put personal time into these people like for me you know get to know them on a personal level every single person in your business is different they have different motivations different drivers different things that they wake up for in the morning and I think that some business owners just tend to treat people oh you know let's give that person a Rolex everybody likes a Rolex you know every single person yeah. is different and and that one shape fits all is, is, is just not the way the right way to treat people and I've, and I've obviously brought that to Newco as well but I think it's really important that you spend time with these guys outside of the business as much as you are doing inside the business just putting the work putting the time putting the time yeah because it's, it's a it's this is personal for people you know and and people work for people they don't work for a business they work for an individual and if they know that individual has got their back and they're you know they're out there and they're, they're grafting for you then that that relationship will keep you keep you through and I think so many people, you know, they either they try to bring the organic model in and then they end up losing people because they're not investing that time in. Um, and then, they, you know, they try and bring in senior people from other businesses, but they necessarily, you know, they don't get that kind of personal buy in from it. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the, the kind of bringing seniors in doesn't work. Cause, you know, it definitely does. And I've also done that, you know, in my career. But I just think if you can get a, that organic growth is just the most and that, you know, S3 proved it, you know, put, put people in this, you know, nothing else exists, put people in this this is the the business to be in if you want to be successful. Um, and people just grew from there. And that, that's the, the brilliant thing that S3 did. So I think obviously, and like, I'm, I'm just trying to get practical here. And like, just like you said, you've got to be really committed, find out what these people want, make sure you understand their motivations. You're clearly articulating the vision, where you're going, their part in it. Like, I guess a practical thing that people could do if they're not ready, I don't know if you did this, but was you making sure that you had those important conversations on a monthly basis, bi-weekly basis, because I, I do feel like, I don't know how many people right now who are in the leadership position in a recruitment company, when did the owner or the people above them or whatever, last sit down with them and go, hey, Hisham, this is where you're at today. Like, this is where we think you, you could go. How do you feel about that? Like, how often are people having those conversations? Do you know what I mean? So was you intentionally, was that on a monthly basis you having it? Was it just quite natural that on a weekly basis? Like, I don't know. What did that look like in practical terms out of interest? 
I mean, I, I, I lived out of a suitcase for, for, you know, quite a large portion of the year traveling, you know, all around the UK, obviously New York, Austin, you know, I was, I was always, always on the road because I feel that that face-to-face time with people is so, so crucial. And obviously, you know, the modern world now is Zoom, et cetera. But I, I definitely, definitely once a month have face-to-face time with every single one of your, your individuals. And I think every three months take, take time out, you know, a nice kind of off, off-site, you know, yeah, chat yeah. with them and find out because everything changes like your motivation system will change yeah, it changes, because, you, know, you yeah. might have you might have a kid come along you might have you know you might be getting divorced you might have whatever's going on in your life might be happening and that will automatically change what's important to you right now so yeah i think you've got to constantly reevaluate it and you know you, you've just got to got to be friends with these people you know you've got to they're, they're giving up you know they're, they're with you on this journey understand what it is that makes them tick and, and constantly re- reevaluate it yeah. So the other thing I just wanted to focus on, because I do feel like I'm sure you've seen this, but I, like now I would feel like most recruitment companies, depending on their approach to flexibility or whatever, would have probably felt like in the last 12, 18 months, like, oh, my God, like we could actually we've ex- we can ex- instantly expand our talent pool, people that we can speak to about our company and work with us. Right. Because of the whole flexibility, work remote, all of that. So the only thing I just wanted to focus on. Um, is just the aspect of like, as you were growing these different locations, what was the sort of science or recipe behind that? I know there would have been failures, there would have been things that worked well, but what, how did you, because a lot of people go, how do I get the DNA of Premier Group in red in that, that really, that, that secret source that I know makes Premier Premier to go into the place in Birmingham, UK or whatever, like what, what, what was your approach there? Was it, it that was it part of the leadership team that you had people set up there? I don't know. How did you approach that? Because a lot of people will be thinking about that. An office, if you're opening up a new office, if you're expanding, it is only as good as the person at the top of that tree. Okay. So, you know, I, I can't be there the entire time. So the person that's running that office, running that business, you have to trust them and you have to know that they are going to absolutely embody everything about, about the company. So yeah, when, when we opened any of the, the, the newer offices, it was always with somebody from the business who'd proven themselves in one of the other offices. And we said, right, here's, here's your challenge. Go and open up a new business, new office for the organization and, and make it your own. And that was, you know, that happened for, for the majority of the offices that we opened with one exception. I think, you know, my biggest failure in recruitment is probably when I tried to open an office in Paris don't speak French. And that went like a, yeah, a lead balloon. But apart from that, you know, the other offices we opened, we had the right person at the top of the tree. Um, and that just, you know, it filters down and, and they just go on and breed, breed the success that is currently in the other offices. And how, how did you incentivize that out of interest? So I, I can see the opportunity, like, mo- like most entrepreneurial people would be like, wow, this is a great opportunity for me, make my own, start, have a business within the business sort of thing. But like, how did you incentivize those people out of interest? Because that is, that, that's a real task, right? Going from probably like in a good spot, making some good money, like comfortable, and then going, and then you're going, hey, look, look Ben, like, we, like, how would you feel about opening our Manchester office? This is what it could be. It's going to be a real slog, right? You're going to get backed. You're going to have the time commitment from you and support. But how do you incentivize out of interest? Were, were, did these people, did you offer shares to these people? Like, how, how did you, how did you incentivize them? Out of interest. So yeah, I mean, I, I won't talk specifics because obviously, you know, that's no, no longer um, a business I'm in. But I think, you know, guarantees definitely. If, you t- if you're asking somebody to go and do something, then you've got to give them a guarantee with a with a view to this is how quickly you can get back up to the level you were. So therefore, we'll cover that shortfall for you. So I think that's very important. But I'm I'm a massive fan of of shares and giving shares to people. You know, for me, uh, let's look at new, let's look at premise. You know, if if premise is worth 10 million and I've got 100% of it, or if it's worth 100 million and I've got 50% of it, what would I rather have? So for me, it's about giving out a proportion of this business to make it more valuable. You know, and I think that people have a very, very different mindset to coming to work when they have a bit of their name above the door. You know, it's, it's a very different mindset. You know, I get my commission, I get my, my salary, I might get a bonus every now and then, but I've got a piece of this business. And I think that that makes a real difference to people in terms of the long-term kind of growth and, and plans in the organization. So we're doing some really cool stuff in NUCO around, around shares and, and that kind of stuff to make sure that people really do feel like they are part of this journey as we grow and expand. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to unpack that with you on when we talk about where you're at now. So final thing on the hiring front then, just because I, I just know that I know you, you, this is obviously a real, real pain, right? So the question is, in that whole period then, what would you say was the most important hire in that journey, do you think, that really enabled you, enabled Premier Group to scale, like build repeatable processes, be successful in different markets? Like what, what ended up being the glue, do you think, 
out of interest? I, I, don't, I don't think there is one. I don't think there definitely okay. don't think there's one. I think I had an incredible team there. I think technology I've always been a massive champion of. Like I think you've got to have, you've got to tool and equip your consultants to go out there and, and be able to make money. And the people that aren't investing in tech, the people that aren't putting this as a priority, they're not giving the consultants the best chance to go and be successful. So I've always been a massive believer of, of tech. So, you know, I had a, a, a great um, kind of right hand in terms of the tech side at, at Premier Group, who, who really kind of helped invest in that side of things. So I think tech, and then I just think, just a good culture in your management team, you know, everybody bought in, everyone on the same journey together, um, everyone helping each other sharing ideas, sharing solutions, sharing best practice. Uh, you know, when you've got a company that's that size with a, a leadership team of 10 to 12 people, if they are all sharing their ideas between them and they're not kind of, well, this is my office, you know, I've got no interest in helping out the other offices. If they're all sharing between them, that's when the business just rockets because it's just, it's just that collaboration piece is fantastic. And it's, it's hard to get because you, and this is one thing that S3 obviously, you know, we're brilliant, you know, all the different brands all fighting and competing against each other. You know, the Christmas party was savage, chairs being launched, you know, all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but there was still a collaboration piece there. There was still that one brand saying, we're doing this and it's doing really well for us. Right, let's nick that and we'll use it in our business. Um, I think that, that kind of sharing collaboration, if you've got that, plus you've also got the healthy competition, then you're just set for success. Yeah, no, I love I love how how much I just love the fact how like I think this is great. Like this may seem it sound simple and basic that you have to invest a lot of your time resources into your current people and your leadership team. And I don't know, I just obviously I have loads of these conversations, but I think you're probably one of the first people to really emphasize how important that is. And I think sometimes that can be overlooked, right? Like recruitment owners can maybe think, right, if we invest in that tool, then that'll help everyone. Or like sometimes I think people are looking for that golden bullet right but actually if you're really investing the people in front of you right now to get the best out of them to create a culture and environment that they can thrive in then there's so many opportunities and, and positive things that can happen so so i love this emphasis on that so i have to ask you then re really common question i get as you've mentioned it and and you've probably taken them into into your new company now but what are the the tools and pieces of tech that you could not live without now that you have to invest in a decent crm obviously without a doubt you know you've got to have a decent crm for me Bullhorn is obviously great. I was a big Bullhorn ambassador for a number of years, but I've recently um, moved to Vincere, uh, which is brilliant. Can't, can't fault it. Great, great product, great price point. The one thing I love about Vinny and Eloise and the team down there is constantly evolving, constantly putting new tech in, constantly looking at right, what, what more can we do to add value to our clients, which is just brilliant. So great product. Saucy B, Source Breaker, Saucy B. Huge, huge fan. Oh, mate, love, love it. Absolutely love it. Adam and Steve down there, brilliant, brilliant product. I've been a massive champion and ambassador of it since it was a bloody spreadsheet, gone out how many years <laughs> ago, to, to the incredible product that it is today. Saucy B is brilliant for, we were talking about that kind of growth and scale, bringing new consultants into your business, trainees, that product will help them be more effective quicker. We did, I did some crazy ROI stats in terms of bringing, bringing rookies to the business, getting using Sourcebreaker, the Boolean tools, the MI chasing, all that kind of stuff. Absolute no-brainer for your business. And then I just think, you know, if, if you're not looking at automation now, I'm not going to get automation is like a whole separate topic we can talk about yeah, for yeah, a few sure. days. But if you're not looking at automation now, I think, you know, you, you're mad. What tools have you looked at? Because I've heard a few being flying around recently, just out of interest. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's just so many. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't give, give away my crown jewels yet, but there's, there's so many out there to look at. But for me, the, the one thing you need to you need to find is a product that you want your consultants doing what they're good at which is getting in front of clients, getting in front of candidates, building relationships. All the other stuff that the consultant does on a day-to-day basis, automate it. Automate as much of it as you possibly can so that you're freeing their time up to go and do the stuff that they are brilliant at. Because clicking on a, an email on LinkedIn, sending an email, email out, which is such a time-consuming job, if you automate that and get that properly working for you, you're saving your consultants 40% of time, which can be spent going out and, and winning more business. Yeah. So if you're not looking at that right now, you're mad. Love it. So a couple of final points on the um, Premier journey then. Firstly, as I'm sure you'll be aware, a lot of recruitment businesses are at the sort of stage or how that how the company how a lot of companies look uh, are at where Premier at was when you joined them at the start. So I guess the, the question I just have for you really for any recruitment owners listening who are at that 10, 20 person stage and, and they do have ambitions to grow it. That is something that they want. Yeah. 
but there may be a number of reasons that that sort of keeps bringing them back to the 20 18 15 head mark not that we're just ho- focusing on, on head count but i have ambitions to grow it like what advice would you give them because you went on that whole roller coaster of growing a business so i don't know maybe it might be some of the things you already mentioned but what for people listening that are in those circumstances right now what would your advice be to them this podcast is proudly partnered with the award-winning source breaker and all i wanted to tell you about today is one of their recent really useful and valuable articles So a lot of you right now are probably thinking, how can I tap into more talent pools? How can I get more relevant candidates showing up in my searches, whether that's on your CRM, LinkedIn, wherever it may be? Well, this is Sourcebreakers World. So what they've recently done is published an article called The Power of Search, Five Ways You Can Improve Your Candidate Pool. So in this really short article, you will walk away with five practical ways that you can uncover and find talent that you're looking for that maybe might not show up if you're just using the the current ways of searching and what you're doing. I mean, what they've found from all of the surveys and data that they can look at is like 48% of searches typically contain errors. So if you want practical ways that you can uncover talent that you may be missing click the link in the show notes read the power of search uh, get those tips walk away with them start using them and let us know how you get on with those five tips and if you find some more people enjoy so i think first thing is is build a war chest okay um you know get get some cash in the bank and, and don't do it and you know until you've got that that reserve there because it is risky. And I think, you know, you've, you've got to have the reserves in place. So get your war chest in place, get your foundations and your processes in place. What you basically, what you want to get to your business is when you add people into the business, there is just a nice process that just takes them through to, to them making money straight away. Okay. Or as quick as possible. So that's get your technology sorted, your, your new starter process documented, automated, your training in place so that you've got structured training, whether that be outsourced to something like the J9 platform or internally your own, your own structure um, or, you know, recruitment mentors, for example, <laughs> another great product. Right? Um, you know, get, get these things in place. So that when you bring new stars into the business, they just, it just runs. It's just a machine that runs, okay? And then I'd hire five people, would be my advice. If you're at 10, 20 heads now, get five, uh, got the, get the, get the water, get, get the, the foundations, yeah, and then get five rookies. Because you can train them together, you can bring them through together, get those five up and running, get them to do, you know, as soon as they're averaging seven and a half to 10K a month per head, then you go again, then you go again, then you go again and just build it and scale like that. But you've got to have those processes in place. Just, you know, it just needs to be a well-oiled slick machine. And if that means, you know, getting a, an ops person or a tech person, um, then just do it from that side. And I think the other thing that I've learned from doing a startup is just outsource as much as the stuff that you, you know, the, the, what there's recruitment leaders, we are good at scaling businesses, hiring people, doing recruitment. The other stuff, just outsource, you know, get, get outsourced, whether it be part-time, temporary, on an hourly basis, or hire somebody permanently, get that stuff outsourced. So you can just literally focus on the people and the clients in your business. For me, at Premier, you know, I, I, my, my two remits that I saw, obviously making sure that day-to-day operations are running, but it was look after the people and look after the clients. Um, and, you know, and obviously your candidates, you know, your candidate, your candidate experience needs to be up there. Uh, but if you do those two things, your business will grow. So you just touched on it there. So at like, let's just say the, the peak of like performance at Premier, what, what did a typical day look like for you? Like where, where, where were you typically spending a lot of your time out of it? I'm just curious. Pre-lockdown? Yeah. Pre, yeah. Just go pre-lockdown. Pre-lockdown. Yeah. You know, I said a lot of travel, you know, I'd, uh, I'd be in Manchester a couple of days, been in Birmingham a couple of days. Reading, London, uh, when I did the States, I'd do kind of t- seven to 10 days, do New York and then Austin. But just a lot of, you know, meetings, uh, obviously keeping, you know, keeping in touch with the management team, constantly looking for new tech, new platforms, new stuff coming into the market. So constantly doing demo, product demos, seeing what was new, seeing what was coming in. Client facing, so BD, I absolutely love. I like to think I'm, I'm pretty good at it. So the, the client piece, you know, I used to do a lot of client hosting, client entertaining, making sure we're taking the clients where we're doing ones and twos and looking at expanding that to doing fives, tens, looking at solution selling. You know, I sold 
a reti- you know, retainer for 1.2 million, probably the biggest deal I've ever closed um, over in Austin, which you know was was an incredible experience for me and something that you know I've I've now brought over to Nuco and looking at uh, kind of that kind of model moving forward. And yeah, it was no two days were the same, which was what I loved about it most. Uh, I was up at six when I was if I was working U.S. time, I'd be going to bed about 10, 11. Sunday evenings plan that's when I, I switch switch off at the weekend you've got to be able to switch off so Friday 5 30 that was me done and then Sunday six o'clock back online plan prep your week uh, and then go into it full guns uh, on the on the Monday morning love it so talk to me just for a second then like people might be thinking how how did you maintain the other areas of your life then like how do you keep the family happy how do you make sure you don't become just proper overweight not fucking looking after yourself just so well, people will know, I, like, because that's like <laughs> really fair. Because like, I can, I mean, also, I'm yeah. sure people can sense your energy. Like, this is you. Like, you're you're all in. But I have to ask, how yeah. how what's been your journey like that? I'm sure there's been peaks and troughs, but yeah, definitely peaks and troughs. I lost two stone in lockdown, which I, you know, nice. not doing the client entertaining, <laughs> which I'll take that. But try try and keep it up now is the main thing. Look, I think I've I've definitely learned some lessons, and I think you know with Nuco uh, putting a this massive focus on people, people first, employees, candidates, clients. I didn't get my work life balance right um, in my old company, and I think that is something I've really readdressed. I'm doing school pickup now twice a week, so I pick the kids up from school on a Wednesday and Thursday, take them in on a Friday, uh, Friday morning, and then you know the, that flexibility for me is absolutely game changing. You know, I'm getting to see my kids more, more quality time. I think you know previously I wasn't majority shareholder of that business, so you know again a, a, another lesson that I've learned for myself is when you when you're not a majority shareholder, you kind of want the business to to not be able to run without you. One of the biggest lessons I learned was that. I want this new company to run without me. Like, you know, yeah, as much yeah. as, you know, if I, if I take a holiday, so I just recently took a couple of days off and I've bought myself a burner phone with a single number on, uh, my iPhone's gone off. And if there's a, if there's a you know, work, tornado, yeah. tornado in yeah, the office, yeah. you can call that number. If not, I don't want to hear from you. Yeah, um, and I think it's, it's really important. And not only that, but the guys feel more empowered, more trusted because, you know, Ben trusts us. Ben trusts us to leave it alone. That's massive, massive mistake that I made in my previous previous role was that, and almost because I, I didn't want it to be able to run without me because I had this kind of fear, you know, you're not, you're not majority shareholder, you're like, ah. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree, man. So, so, so it was a real lesson learned for me in terms of work-life balance and then just, just trust your people. Like, make them, allow them to make their own mistakes. Uh, if you're constantly in, in their stuff, then it's just not going to work. So massive learn for me and massive, great that I can now implement this into a brand new business. So what? So we were saying what? Family life's definitely improved. I'm, I'm a lot happier. <laughs> nice. That's awesome, mate. No, thanks for being yeah. honest. I, I love that. Yeah. So as we move on to the, to the new company then, just, just two, two final things. So we've kept it quite positive. So I just want to hear from you. You mentioned Paris, but what, what are other maybe major mistakes that you learned from in that premier journey, do you think, that come to mind? Yeah, I think definitely, um, you know, touching back on, on what I said, you know, I think there was a lot of decisions that potentially were, were not mine that I, you know, I kind of had to implement. I just think look after people. Uh, is the biggest lesson I've learned. You know, I think I think there were some people that potentially on the end of their journey I didn't look after effectively enough, and I should have done. Um, and I think that uh, you know, just being able to trust people, and empower people more. I think really make sure that you are listening to people and just letting them make their own mistakes. You know, don't don't be in their lives, in their businesses. Empower people. Here's here's your clear expectations. This is what I expect from you. Off you go, go and do it. If you've got any problems, I am literally here for you 24-7. But let's chat next week and see you get on. Next month, see you getting on. Uh, and just empower people more in that respect. It's probably the biggest lesson I'm bringing over to, to Nuco. Yeah, brilliant that. So this, this probably leads quite nicely onto your approach and your journey so far. But my other question was, and you can bring this into the new company, but my only other question was, I'm getting this a lot at the moment. Like I'd probably get it maybe once every week, once every two weeks, where a recruitment owner will message me saying, hey, do you know any sort of great NEDs or like consultancies or people that I can speak to that can sort of support us on this journey of growth? Because I am winging it. I'm doing a lot of things for the first time. So I just wanted to ask you, and you can bring this into the new company as well, but I just wanted to ask you like, during that premier group journey, like, did you have a mentor that you um, worked with or had someone you could speak to? Did you sort of engage with an NED at all? Like, what, what, what's been your journey with that? And then we can go into the new company because I think that was really quite interesting when I saw your board and how you've gone about building that. Yeah, so at premier, no, I didn't have an NED. I think 
for me, I was, I'm, I'm always involved in the industry. Like, I'm, I'm a massive, massive believer of share, share your ideas, share your success. The industry, the industry is vast. Like, this industry is huge. There's so much money out there to be made. Uh, you know, don't just be like, oh, this is my, this is my business. Don't look outside. So I'm mates with so many other recruitment business owners. RDLC is, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a member of, which is a brilliant kind of sharing community and platform. Uh, but there's multiple required. There's, there's loads out there in terms of different networks and communities you can be part of. And I think it's, it's so important to have that. Like it is lonely at the top. Like you do, you know, when you when you're there by yourself, you know, it is lonely. You'll have bad days. You'll have great days but you'll have bad days and just having a community around you whether that's your own personal community or not is absolutely invaluable you know I'm, I'm happy to take a call from any other recruitment business owner anytime I'm say this and I get 100 phone calls tomorrow <laughs> but, you know, with, with like you know yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really struggling with this because I'm saying don't feel like don't struggle in silence don't struggle on your own but no, you know and, and, yeah. and, and the people that aren't prepared to help others and share ideas will get left behind, like they absolutely will. Because if you can learn a lesson of somebody else before you have to make that same mistake, no brainer. Absolutely yeah, and that no doesn't mean that you, you've then, t- that's money out of your pocket. It does not mean that if, if you're sharing, do you know what I mean? It really doesn't. This market is gangbusters, mental busy, like just, yeah, there's enough of the pie to go around. Share ideas, yeah, absolutely. So talk to me about, like, you hear all the time, right? I'm starting my own recruitment business. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to take all the things that I like, not all the things I don't like. Just talk to us about when we think about your business now that you're driving forward, like, what were the main things that you really wanted to... You've already mentioned around the the people part, which which I love. But what else comes up when we think about the business now, the new company? What else was really important to you that you addressed or really, when it comes to the strategy of the business, was really important to you? Let's talk about today. So let, let's, yeah, p- people again, for me, there's obviously three strands of people. You can your clients and your employees. And I think just put them first in every decision. Like my business is nothing. Like my business is zero without the people I employ. And if I don't have good people and then they're not retained and they're not staying with me and they're not here on the journey, I don't have a business. So they are my absolute number one priority. So we've done stuff like everyone gets private health care. You know, there's a well-being bonus in your paycheck every month. You know, we've got a share scheme where everybody, everybody in the company is going to have access to get shares in the business. Two weeks a year, you can work from anywhere. Just, you know, work-life balance, absolutely there. Remote working, you know, working from home, all that kind of stuff. So, so there's people first that side. The, the DNI piece is obviously something that, you know, is in, important. Do you want to talk about that now, Hashem, or should we do you come to that later? Up to you? Yeah, no, yeah, no. We, yeah, let, let's talk about it for sure. Because I know it's a big, big part of your business. Yeah, so look, middle class white guy talking about diversity yeah, inclusion. Yeah, feel, like, it's you know, I it's feel I, weird. You're like, you feel like yeah. a bit of a. It's hard, yeah. isn't it? I and speak about it. It's, it's, like, it's I mean, hard. Yeah. 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 Because you don't, you, when I first started, and I'm going to call it my journey, as long as, you know, it sounds a bit yeah, yeah. weird, but it was, with a journey, you're just shit scared you're going to say the wrong thing like you're just yeah, yeah, so yeah. nervous you're going to say the wrong thing put your foot in your mouth and be like oh my god no i can't believe i said that i'm so you know so it, it's about confidence and that's why i've done podcasts i've done reading i've literally you know netflix yeah, self-education loads, you know, yeah you've done loads of yeah, stuff yeah you've got you've got to invest in this like we've got a library in our office of all the books and all this kind of stuff and we have monthly meetings we've got like an allyship in the business so everybody takes like a different strand of you know lgbtqt you know all the different stuff and people present on it once a month so people are learning constantly educating the business but i've been on like the most amazing journey and i know i don't want to sound cliche but like i genuinely have like just opened my mind and it's the weird thing about diversity inclusion, like it's ethically the right thing to do to hire a DNI within your business and take it seriously. It's ethically the right thing to do. On top of that, it is also like so good for your business to yeah, have yeah. a diverse, like the stats are there. You'll be more profitable. You'll have better retention. You'll have more creativity. You'll have better ideas in your organization. Like it is there. It's proven that it's good for your business. So companies that don't take it seriously are just mad. Like they're literally mad. So for us, we've done the training piece. We've built out this incredible like, training program that we deliver to our clients. We've, we've got some trainers in our books that are, first we've got Faisal from the Bank of England, you know, brilliant, who, who delivers some of the training. Then we've got Joe Trey. We've got a brilliant training, brilliant training brand. It's all on the website. Yeah. So you, just, just on that really quickly, you've got, cause, and you can see this on your website, which I thought was great. Yeah, you've actually got people that yeah, have their own experiences, own credibility that you uh, can actually support your clients going, hey, we've got these bench people that if you do want more training on this or you do want support with this we've got these people that can support you with this that that's part of your offering um as a recruitment Absolutely. consultancy 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's part, it's part of the offering, you know. Great if, idea. If our clients engage with us on a retained basis, we just completely offer it, you know, completely part of the package, part of the solution. And what we're seeing is the bigger companies now, like if you look at the big firms out there, they've all got a head of DNI. They are all implementing process structure, reporting procedures into their organizations. So the companies that we're seeing this, the, the training being used for most mostly within the kind of tech startups who they're just running at 100 miles an hour. They know it's important to them, but they haven't got a dedicated person to look at DNI in their business. So we're partnering with these guys from the start to make sure we're helping them on their journey. And even like SMEs who, you know, they, they know it's important. Everyone knows how important DNI is, but they don't know, you know where the best resources are. Don't know where to start. Don't know where they don't. Yeah, don't know where to invest the money, resources into Absolutely. it. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. So we're just helping them out. So, which is the, the feed. You know, the feedback has just been unreal. You know, we've we've mm. we've delivered loads of these courses now, and and I genuinely, you know, we want to get to a position in the business where if you're not taking this stuff seriously, we're not going to work with you. You know, we're we're going to say yeah, no yeah. because we value it. We understand the importance of it so much that you've got to do the same. Otherwise, yeah. it's no no ball. If you don't mind me asking, because and like you don't have to share like exact details, but I think people will be interested. So, for example, I'm assuming these trainers, like, have you got an agreement with them that like, are you are you getting part of like what they would charge, or are you including it in your fee? Like, I don't know. How have you sort of structured that? I know it may be very per person, but just to give people a bit of an idea, because I, I do think this is a good idea that other companies could implement, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's it's for us, it's a loss leader. You know, we 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 offer this as a value add. Um, we, we have the trainers, you know, on retained basis that we, we utilize them for because we, you know, this, this stuff, like people, the demand for this at the moment is just crazy. Um, so the trainers are going in on a retained basis. You know, we don't, we don't make profit on that side of the organization. That, that side of the organization is purely educational, trying to make a difference and just looking at, at value add to our clients. That, that's the yeah, main focus of that side of the business. Uh, yeah, and obviously, you know, it's great because once we go in and do that training, we then have the relationship, we then have, you know, we understand where their business is at when it comes to DNI. So it's much easier for when you go and recruit for them. We obviously know that business a bit better than we would going in from a cold start. Yeah, yeah. No, that's brilliant. So we've got the people part that I love, DNI. Is there any, any other sort of key cornerstones of things that was really important to you when starting this company as well? Yeah, we just, we've obviously looked at, you know, the, the recruitment market is, is evolving without a doubt. And I think, you know, from my experience in the US, uh, and obviously looking at retain models, looking at talent task, you know, talent as a solution, talent as a service. For me, I think that is, you know, just such a good way of operating. For me, with our clients, it's about partnership. And we've got a number of clients at the moment where... Yeah, so you've got partners, you've got, sorry to buy in, just so just, because I think this would be useful, but so you've got, if you go on your service on your website, you've got partnership model, you've got on-site, you've got workforce solutions outsourced. So the other thing that you've done is you've made products for your solutions straight out the gate as well, that, that are landing as you were talking about. Yeah. yeah, correct. And for us, you know, it's, uh, f from a recruitment point of view, um, from, a from a business owner, from a consultant point of view, you're getting paid for your time. You're not getting paid for a placement. You're getting paid for your time, which is a very different way of looking at it from a consultant point of view. And don't you know, we're still doing contingency stuff because I think it's still important to what we find is you go in and you do the contingency, you prove your value, you prove how good you are, and then you start talking about, right, there. what's the next, what's the yeah, next yeah. 12 months look like for you as a business? Well, let's talk about what solutions we can do that's going to save you time, embed us in your business, effectively save you money um, and then also we've got all this other value add stuff we can offer you as a business as well yeah talk to us about then because i thought this is it or talk to us about the advisory board because i think that's unique because obviously they're all people that are outside the recruitment industry right absolutely yeah so for me again why did you do that building the, yeah building this business from like blank piece of paper i i am not i said to you earlier i'm not the finished article okay i don't know everything uh, i know plenty about recruitment 23 years uh, I certainly don't know everything about recruitment, but what I wanted is I wanted a diverse board because it's proven diverse, you know, teams work better and more effective. So I've got an incredibly diverse board. They've all come from different industries. Steve, who is a 20% shareholder and an investor in the business, has grown and scaled businesses. He exited his last company for 120 million the day before lockdown. So he's, you know, an, an insurance, so regulatory, you know, he, he gets process structure, brilliant. We've got Kim, who's head of DNI over at NTT Data. You know, so so again, brings that diversity and inclusion into the organisation. We've got Jim, who is currently working for Elon Musk. You know, uh, on on kind of some charity work as CTO, and brings the tech side to it. You know, he really brings the tech knowledge so that we can look at right what's evolving in the tech community. Where do we need to position ourselves to make sure we're ahead of the curve? 
Uh, and then we've got Faisal, who is a qualified trainer, ex-Royal Household, Bank of England, um, you know, just process structure. He does mentoring and coaching for our leadership team. And just the, b- between us, when we sit in a room together, it's it, honestly, history, it's amazing. Like, the ideas that come that I would never have thought about being in my recruitment bubble, the ideas are just, and what they, they are brilliant at challenging me. That's the one thing I said to all of them from day one, I was like, question everything. Be honest with me, challenge me. Challenge yeah, yeah. me, like rip me apart. Because if I can't justify why I'm doing something effectively to you, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. Maybe we should be looking at a different angle, a different, different solution. So some of the stuff we've got out of our board meetings already have been, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Love that. So let, let's talk about, as we finish then, let's talk about the future then. So when I, when I saw you guys launching that, it looked like, did you straight out the gate hire a couple of people like this it seemed like you're trying to build a bit of a nucleus of yeah people that hopefully again could become your like future leaders of the of the business 100 and then you're going to look to get back from our conversations get back to yeah get as you said take your own advice and try and get five people in at a time and yeah bit like yeah go go from there like how did you approach it on on that side yeah so yeah just obviously started building networking going through you know people i've known in the in the industry for a number of years um, and it's just built out a team. So I think on launch, we were like eight or nine heads. We're up to, we've got 16 now with four more starters confirmed. So we want to finish the year on kind of 25 heads for the Christmas party is what we booked for anyway. Uh, and then get to basically kind of nice. uh, 60 to 70 next year is the, is the goal. We've got obviously London and Austin currently. We've got just hired our head of New York. We've hired who's starting in November, which we're very excited about. Uh, and then we'll have a couple of offices across the UK as well. So the growth again will be, you know, the, the re- couple of regional offices, growth in the US, selling obviously co- contract is, is taken off for us nicely already. And then obviously adding the permanent stuff as well. So, yeah, you know, just and obviously the talent talent solution piece of it, which is, is proving very successful for us. So we're doing good. Um, as you said, that growth is going to come in fives. So we're just doing a training, training academy, obviously looking at senior people as well, but training academy, we bring in five every month starting in December and then just basically grow it from there moving forward. And then what, what's top of mind for you going into next year then? So obviously we've got the hiring guys, stuff like that, but like with what you've learned so far, what you've taken in, everything, like, I don't know, what's top of mind out of interest, like going into next year? It's my people. That's all I care about is my people. Like, just, really? yeah, just making sure yeah. that everybody in this business has the vehicle to achieve what they want to achieve, um, realizing that every single person in this organization is different, different motivators, different drivers, and just making sure that I look after these guys and, and, and getting the, just building a machine. I just want this machine to just operate. I still will be doing the client stuff because I absolutely love the client stuff. Um, but just, you know, I've, I've been very lucky that I've had time to time out and time to build the foundations of this business now and I've built it so that it will scale it will just you now I've got everything in place on the bottom level so that as soon as we put those new heads in as I talked about earlier it will just scale effectively as we go as we grow and expand love it Ben been an absolute pleasure love your energy like can really tell like how excited you are <laughs> I'm excited to to see where where you guys are in a, in, a, in another year's time but yeah kudos to you mate and uh, yeah really excited to for people to hear this and good luck with everything obviously it's been an absolute pleasure buddy thanks mate awesome bosh mate well done on making it to the very end of the episode i hope you enjoyed it I've done my very best to try and level up this podcast that will hopefully mean that you can take even more learnings from these conversations and apply it to your own recruitment career like always if there are any particular topics that you would love me to cover with future guests then please get in touch with me the best place to reach me is on linkedin send me a message what would you love me to cover with future guests if you have enjoyed the podcast then it would be amazing if you could leave a honest review in your favorite podcast streaming platform that will simply mean that we're able to reach more people with this podcast i hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to subscribe completely free on your favorite podcast streaming platforms and we'll be back next week with a new episode of the recruitment mentors podcast